glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. All right, again, so Matthew 2, 1 and 2, and of course our, our focus is on verse 2. When the wise men come to Jerusalem saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. I looked up the word seen. And obviously, because of the context of Scripture, it carries more than just, oh, hey, look at that bright star. We saw that star. No, seen means they recognized it, they saw it, understood its significance. And that, again, is obvious in the context of this. We don't have the backstory how they knew about the significance of this star. It is prophesied in the book of Numbers. And we'll see that, God willing, before the message is over. In Numbers 24, 17, Balaam had been used... He was actually a false prophet, but he did have some true words come out of his mouth. And he prophesied of the scepter and a star that would rise out of Jacob. Uh, God had said to to, uh, Judah through, through Jacob, his father, that the scepter would not depart from the tribe of Judah. So the idea that a king was going to come out of the nation of Israel, a king of great significance, was a prophecy that had been around already for hundreds of years by the time that, uh, that thousands of years really, by the time these gentlemen come along. So this had been a long-standing prophecy going all the way back to Moses and then uh, repeated again through Balaam that a scepter would rise. And again, we can conjecture, we can guess how these men came to that knowledge. It is obviously possible through Daniel the prophet, his understanding of Scripture, his understanding of, 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 uh, of heavenly things had communicated some of this to them. Either way... We could assume because of where they are, these are Gentile men. They're men of the East. They didn't, very unlikely, they own their own copy of Scripture. Very unlikely. They obviously had some little knowledge of Scripture, but what they did have knowledge of is what God was communicating enough knowledge of Scripture and enough knowledge with their conscience connected with what God had communicated through creation to be able to put two and two together and say that star was already prophesied by God. They were so attentive to what God had done in creation that they moved when God moved. God was moving in the works uh, in, in mankind and humanity, especially among the nation of Israel, to give them the Christ. And these Gentile men were perceptive enough of the God who had made them by studying the heavens that they understood that God was on the move and they wanted to move with him and toward him when he was. And so let me just see a few things tonight, three things tonight that I believe you can see in the text. So it's just these couple of verses uh, that we can we can gather from this. May I say this? There's nothing that I wouldn't think anybody here doesn't believe. But, but how many of us need reminded of truth that we already know? I think it's very important for us to be reminded, though we know God created us, every person in this room knows that. We could quote Genesis 1-1, probably every one of us. We could probably quote John 1-1. We know that, yet we need to be reminded of the significance of the fact that we are created beings by the Creator. We need to be reminded as we witness to people of some of the truths we're going to see tonight. It's easy to get caught up in the world's way of thinking or even in our own way of thinking, in our own human reasoning, and start concerning over people that don't even know there's a God. No such people exist. Everybody knows there's a God. God's told them. Everyone. I was thinking about this last night and uh, yesterday. And uh, the fact of the matter is we talk about those in the, uh, the aboriginals and different jungles of the world, people who've never heard the gospel. It's true. 
and it's our responsibility to get the gospel to them. But may I say this, there are some dark places in this world that have yet to receive a gospel witness in, in recent history. I believe the gospel has gone into all the world according to what the Bible says in the first century. So I believe all peoples, uh, all nations heard the gospel in the first century because that's what the Bible says. I don't need to be able to explain all that's what the Word of God says. But I would also say this, there are dark places in the world that there are people that are not getting the gospel right now. And part of that, part of that, and we don't want to dismiss our responsibility, but part of that is God has revealed himself to them through creation. They've said, no, we don't want to know that God. And I can prove that from Romans chapter 1 here in a little bit. Here are men in the east who are Gentiles. These are men who they don't have a temple. They don't have a teaching priest. They don't have the religion of the Jews. These are men that have very, very little specific knowledge about God. Just tidbits of information. A prophecy somehow communicated to them that God would signify in the skies with a star. And they were able, with an open heart toward God, to understand what God was doing in a particular time. I believe sometimes God puts things like this in the Bible for one reason. To start pulling away the excuses. If these men could move and find the king of kings, then who has an excuse? These were not men who had missionaries coming to them. You know what the missionaries were to these men? The stars. Now, I'm not saying we don't have to do our job. You know that. Our job today is to be a light in the world, but these men didn't have that. This is at a period of time where if you wanted to know God, you had to go where he was. He wasn't sending people to you. If you want to know the Jehovah God, you went to Jerusalem and worshipped at the temple. Other than that, and so the nation of Israel itself was a light for the world to see and to come to. Under the gospel dispensation, it's just the opposite. We're a light that is to go to them. And so then, here under that period of time, here are men who found, they came to, having been drawn by the God of heaven through his handiwork in the skies, they came to the, to the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, I believe, again, one of the primary reasons this is in our Bible and recorded for us is to show that when men will receive the light they're given, God will give them more. In thy light, the Bible says, I believe it's Psalm, I want to think Psalm 31, Psalm 32, somewhere. In thy light shall we see light. Many have not gotten more light, more understanding from God because they've rejected the light they were given. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And so having said all of that, let's consider first of all tonight concerning these wise men, stating this again, truly wise men do not dismiss the works of God. They do not explain the way the works of God. Wise men consider the works of God. First of all tonight, for outline's sake, their communication. God had communicated to these men and they received that communication. Why do I say their communication? Well, it's because of what Psalm 19 says. And we're focusing on the fact that they had seen his star. Their, their move toward Jerusalem and then later to Bethlehem had everything to do with what they saw in the sky. These men, obviously, and by the way, how many of us would be, would understand these men were already students of the sky before this star showed up? They had to have been because they noticed it. They, they, they had enough understanding of the heavens that when it showed up, they said, that star has significance. That's not normal. That's not supposed to be there. So Psalm 19, Psalm 19, we'll read verses 1 through 3. 
The Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. Notice verse 3, There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. The message of creation, specifically of the heavens. Now, you can see the message of creation in the dirt. Get you a microscope. But the message of the heavens, you don't have to have a telescope. You don't have to have any, uh, any, anything to magnify your vision, to be able to look up and say, that did not just happen. The moon is there every night. The sun is there every night. Day, get a hold of this, and they've been there for at least 6,000 years. That ought to say something to us. How many of us have lights that last that long? We don't last that long. Those things speak of something and someone greater than ourselves. There are things that you can know whether you own a Bible or not. There are things that it doesn't matter the language. Here's the point. The speech of the heavens, the message of the heavens, the message of the sun and the moon and the stars and the galaxies that surround us, the message that is given is a universal message. It's in a universal tongue. You do not have to, you do not have to speak any certain language. It is the communication of the creator to say to his creation, I am. Yeah, it's the absolute truth of it. And if you start studying the order that's in the heavens, it amazes me. We create calendars, 365 and one quarter day calendars with a certain number of days in a month. And whether you're going by our calendar, the Roman calendar, you're going by the Jewish calendar, there is order, there's continuity. We schedule our entire lives. We schedule things beyond our lives based on the stability of the sun, moon, and stars. Isn't that amazing? We set our clocks by the sun, moon, and stars. We know that the earth is going to rotate in a 24-hour period. and It's going to revolve around the sun in a 365-day revolution. We know that because it's so constant and so consistent. And to say, isn't it amazing how that just happened? It's foolhardy. Even as I preach it, I, my mind is blown that you can even, even entertain the idea that it could just happen. Nothing happens like that without amount of order, without design. There's no way we could, we could function as we do. Again, as I said, men have charted the oceans based and do based on the position of the stars and the moon. And you get lost at night. You find that North Star. You can find your way. God's put some absolutes in the sky that never change. And I believe you could preach an entire series of messages probably for months on end on what the heavens say about God. Now, here are men that looked up and instead of saying, you know what, we are intelligent men. And an intelligent man knows that that much order happened on accident. No, no. Wise men consider the works of God. Wise men look and say, that doesn't happen. That was done. Someone accomplished that. So the extent of the communication that these wise men received, here's what I'm trying to say. Wise men are not uniquely gifted with intelligence. Every human being has received the exact same message. The United States, we, we who are here in the United States of America, it's not like we have a corner on astronomy. 
Uh, we get to see the heavens, but the Chinese don't. No, the same moon is seen in China as is seen here. The same moon and sun is seen in India as is seen here. And you doesn't matter where you go. If you're in the deepest, darkest jungles of the Amazon, the same sun, moon, and stars are seen there. The extent of the message of God's handiwork is universal. And there, the Bible says in verse 3, there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. So again, the communication to these wise men is the same communication that every human that has ever been born has received from God. God has said through his handiwork in the skies the same thing to every person that's existed. He has not only said, I exist, through his handiwork, he tells something about the kind of God he is. Let me illustrate it this way. I used to have a co-worker and we could have disagreeable conversations without hating each other. He was an agnostic, a very educated man in the ways of the world. He carried three bachelor's degrees and three separate uh, studies. Uh, I did not. But we could have these back-and-forth conversations, and he would bring up the flood and Noah's Ark and some of the hot-point questions that people like to ask. And he finally said to me one day, he said, well, he said, I believe in a higher power. I said, I think I would have to be stupid not to believe there's something out there. He said, but... I cannot accept a God that is so intelligent that he could design something as complicated as the human eye. Now, what he was saying is, if I accept that God created the human eye, I have to, at that same moment, accept that he is intelligent enough to have done so. And I am not, there's not room for a God that great in my mind. Now, there was room in his mind for humans that great. Humans could create video cameras and computer chips, and he would accept the greatness of humanity. And that's what I said. I said, really? So you think man is intelligent enough to create something as complicated as a video camera? But God is not creative enough and intelligent enough to create the human eye, which basically does the same thing, but way before man thought of it. <laughs> huh? And he said, well, that's a good point. And he accepted it. Oh, okay. Fine. Good point. But the back matter is we understand if we accept God as the creator we have to equally at that same time accept all the things that are implied by that. If God created everything, it is he who's keeping everything in motion. He had not only enough intelligence to get it all started, he had enough intelligence to keep it going in spite of a rebellion. And it's still going. <laughs> and so then what I have to do is if I, if I accept that he created, there are certain things I have to accept about him that are inherent conclusions from that. Wise men do. Wise men consider and say, I would be a fool to ignore all of this. So my point is this, the extent of the communication these wise men received, it wasn't unique communication to them. It's not as though they were the only guys on earth that could see that star. You with me? We have this idea about wisdom, and I think this comes from evolution, that some people are really packaged with a lot of intelligence. And, some are, and I understand, some people's minds are sharper. But wisdom is not really so much based on how much brain capacity you have. Wisdom is based upon the capacity of your heart, not the capacity of your head. Wise men are not merely... You can be extremely intelligent and be wise. You can be extremely intelligent and be a fool. Because what I can do is have a heart that doesn't want God's ways, and I'll use my intelligence to explain God away instead of accept the facts that are in front of me. Make sense? So these wise men, the extent of their communication, there's not a language where it's not heard. The expression, we've already touched on this, 
when they considered the heavens and the stars as they did, there are some conclusions that come with that. With that. Number one, the communication that is made through the heavens. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Tell us of God's authorship. And by that I mean the fact that He's the Creator. When you look at that, you realize we are made by the one who created the stars, created us. And so then it, spell, it tells us of the authorship of God. It tells us of the ability of God. There's a third A that it tells us about God, and that is his authority. If he created it, then he's the authority. Whoever creates something is the authority on how it functions. They are the authority for when it functions. If you create something, you also have the power to destroy it. And so what happens is, if you consider the heavens, you consider the works of God, you have to consider He's the one that authored this. He obviously had the ability to do so, and that makes Him the authority, which gets to why men won't consider the works of God. Look at Romans chapter 1, if you would. Romans chapter 1, very well-known text. Verses 19 and 20. It's talking about a culture, a society that rejects the knowledge of God, meaning what God has shown, man knows and says, but I don't want that. I don't want to believe that. And so then, verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth. Okay, there's the the intellect. They hold the truth in unrighteousness, verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. There's that language. That's that speech that has gone into all the earth. Uh, So that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. So we have conscience within, the evidence of creation without. Verse 20, for the invisible, invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, that's speaking of God's authority, so that they are without excuse. When we look around us and immediately, I believe inherently without sometimes even consciousness, it is a subconscious almost understanding, I'm a creation. I'm accountable to the one who made all this. And though some may not be able to articulate that, it is ingrained in our DNA to know it. These things are clearly seen. But to hold the truth in unrighteousness says, but I don't want the one who made me telling me how to function. I'm going to play the role of God. That's what Romans 1 is talking about. Wise men don't do that. Wise men consider the works of God, and by that, the communication of those works. The works of God make a statement to us. They tell us that he authored our lives. He is our creator. They tell us of his great mighty power, his ability, not only his power to create, but his wisdom in the creation, that God had enough wisdom to create things that would last until he is, they have fulfilled his purpose, and that we could go into a whole depth on the wisdom of God revealed in creation, the order. We see God as a God of order. Here's what I love. He created us in such a way to recognize his characteristics in us. Intellect, will, emotion, the ability to make decisions and produce outcomes, that comes from God. Wisdom comes from God. And so then we see his ability in this communication and then, of course, his authority. So the communication these wise men had, the same communication we have. So I guess I would say this. They had communication from God through his, through his handiwork, but that's not what made them wise. 
That gave them knowledge. That gave them information. What made them wise is what comes next, and that is their consideration. They did not ignore what was in front of them. They considered it. So their communication, the extent of it, not a language where this communication is not heard. The expression, the communication says that God is our creator. He has all power and wisdom, uh, and he has authority. It tells of his eternal power and Godhead. And so then, but these men in Matthew chapter 2 very clearly considered what they saw. The Bible says they come to Jerusalem and say, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. They were paying close attention to what God was saying. God was speaking to humanity and using the stars to do so. And these men were tuned in. You read the book of Proverbs and the Bible talks about bowing your ear to God, inclining your ear unto wisdom. What does it mean to incline your ear? To get on a lazy boy and lean back on your head? <laughs> to incline your ears just like this. Braden says something to me and I know he says something. I say, now what would you say? And I bend my head closer so I can very plainly, clearly hear what he has to say. You know what the wise men were doing? They were watching so they could listen. They saw that star and they said, God's saying something very important. They were attentive. Wise men pay attention to what God is saying. They are attentive to the message of God. Again, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. But if you would look at Psalm chapter 8 or the 8th Psalm. Psalm 8 verse 3. We'll actually back up. We'll read first a couple of verses prior to that. Psalm 8. Uh, 1 through 3. The Bible says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I, what's the next word? Consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. We'll go on to say some other things we'll look at here in just a couple of minutes. But he says, I can, when I consider thy heavens. And he's going to go on and say, when I consider thy heavens, then I think this. When I consider thy heavens, then I think this. And we'll, again, we'll come back to that. Wise men take time to consider what God is saying through creation, saying in our conscience. Someone say, I don't really think about the skies. Well, you better. <laughs> we need to. I don't really sit and think about how a tree works. We ought to. I don't really think about those things. Well, we should. Wise people do. Wise people look. You know what Solomon did? He studied trees, plants, animals, and he came to this conclusion after it was all done. I mean, he studied gold and silver. He studied uh, brevity and the, the brevity of life. He studied, he studied um, the idea of, of just having a good time. He, I mean, Solomon studied man. He was an anthropologist. He studied animals. He studied all sorts of things. And his conclusion was this. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. When we consider what God has put right in front of our faces... How many times we see something we're not paying attention? Wise men are attentive to what God is saying. And these men, all they had at this point in time, next week, God willing, we'll see that wise men not only consider his works, wise men have confidence in his word. Do you realize they went from communication in the skies to communication on the page? God gave them more specific revelation when they received the revelation they were given. There are some men that will never understand the Bible because they won't believe what they can't understand in creation. 
There's some and you can read the Bible all you want. I do not believe you're going to get a man that's committed to belief in evolution to believe the Bible because he's rejected the light he's already been given. If you won't believe the light that your conscience gives you through creation, you're not going to believe what God has to say through the pages of the Bible. But these men did. Wise men consider what God is saying through his handiwork. And and by that we mean they are attentive to that message. They are assured of its truth. Why you say, why do we say that? You know what these men did? They had enough knowledge of the promise of a coming king and enough knowledge of the creation of God in the skies to say that has to be what was promised before. Whether they had read it for themselves in Scripture or were just told, they were able to connect what little revelation they had to give them wisdom. They were able to say, the star in the sky plus the promise that came through Moses and the promise that came through Balaam by the pen of Moses, that two combined can only mean one thing. He's born. Wisdom is the ability to connect truth to come to certain conclusions. I don't just say, well, I know that's true and I know that's true. It means nothing. You know what? It takes a certain level of wisdom from God that he gives you through his word to get saved. You didn't get saved by feeling the flames of hell on your feet, literally. You got saved by reading a verse in the Bible that says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Your conscience connects that verse to the sin you committed back here and said, that means me. And then you read, and somebody read you Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. The meaning of a wage is something earned because of that which I did there, 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 and there. And you can start naming the things that you knew in your conscience were transgressions. I must die. And that means hell. And what God does, he takes the truth here and the truth here, and he combines them and leads you to conclusions. These men were so certain that what God was communicating in the sky by that star, meant the king was born. They left where they were to go find him. You know what that's called? Faith. Had they ever seen the the Savior? Did they know, was he going to be a a grown-up or a child? They didn't even know what city he was in. They knew the country, and they went to the most logical place to go, Jerusalem. What they said is, with the truth we have, we must act on it. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. They were attentive to the message. They were assured of its truth. Therefore, they were affected by it. When a truth is truly received, it will produce action in our lives. If I say I believe a truth and it produces no action, I have deceived myself. But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We know they believed what God was saying by that star that signified the birth of his son. We know they believed it because they acted on it. That brings us to our third point. So the communication they received, the consideration they gave, the conclusion they came to. After seeing the star and comparing that with the knowledge they had of the coming king and knowing that's what that signified, they left, they, they, they came to some recognition, right? The conclusion, they recognized some things. Number one, they recognized... Obviously, and I believe it's very clear in the context of Scripture, God's rule over man. They recognize, and by the way, that's what we said earlier. When you listen to what God is saying through his handiwork, the the natural and logical conclusion is then he rules over us. God is not the creation of man. Man is the creation of God. Psalm 100 says it this way. We are his people and the sheep of 
his pasture. We belong to him. He made us. Therefore, the logical and reasonable, which God gave us the ability, Isaiah 1 says, come therefore and let us reason together. God will straighten our reasoning out if we listen to him. He'll get us thinking right if we listen to him. They recognize God by knowing the handiwork of God in the clouds. They recognize God rules over man. How many of us could plan something 700 years out and make sure it happens? God did. Longer than that, way back here, through the mouth of a man named Jacob, God gave a prophecy hundreds of years later, 400 years later, a descendant named Moses pinned down what Jacob said. How? He wasn't there, but God was. And so then later on, while Moses is living in the same time period, Balaam writes down this prophecy. And now all these hundreds of years later, over a thousand years later, we're looking at 1,400 years later if I got my, my memory right. God is seeing fit to fulfill the promise he made 1,400 years before. Only God can rule. God is ruling what will become man's history. He sees the end from the beginning. Some call this the sovereignty of God. The word sovereign is not in the Bible. The idea is God is not taken off guard by anything. He has a plan that he is working out. Wise men know how to get in God's plan. And here's how. We recognize his authority over us. You know what the Bible calls that? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1, 7. But fools despise wisdom and instruction the conclusion these men came to is if god is powerful enough wise enough to hang stars in the sky and put one at a certain point in time to signify what he's doing in relation to man we are going to listen to him and so then the conclusion they came to is god is ruling over men look if you would at daniel chapter 4 very quickly i want to wrap this up as quickly as i can daniel chapter 4 Daniel chapter 4. The Bible says in verse 17, This matter is by the decree of the watchers. Daniel speaking to Nebuchadnezzar. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will setteth up over it the basest of men. Verse 25, same chapter, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. Verse 37, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. God got Nebuchadnezzar's mind uh, and got a hold of his attention through discipline, through making him eat like grass like an oxen for seven years. And when it all got done, Nebuchadnezzar realized he wasn't the supreme king, God is. What God showed him is you can't be a king one day past what I allow you to be. Even Satan can only be as powerful as God allows him to be. And wise men can look up into the heavens and realize the one who created that is ruling in the kingdom of men 
we must recognize his authority and get on page on on the same page with him called repentance the fear of god brings repentance my way is not the right way wise men are not men who learn how to outsmart god defy god live lives their ways those men are fools and all in the same way wise men consider the heavens consider the work of god's hands and say you know what the one who is powerful enough to create that wise enough to to keep it in motion it's ruling over men and it is our it is our responsibility to be submitted to his authority so they recognized the rule of God over men. They recognized God's regard for men. When you consider the works of God, you'll recognize God did not just wind us up and set us on a shelf. God is actively involved in the affairs of men. And I believe the study of the heavens tells you that. He hung the sun and moon the way he did for our sake so that it would rule the day and rule the night and we could grow crops and plants. God created, some would say, And some do this. Consider how tiny earth is in comparison to all the galaxies. We are like a pin drop. And you're telling me that the inhabitants on that little bitty speck have God's undivided attention that tells you of the greatness of God that he would care for someone so little. We see something so little. Stamp it out. God, look if you would back at Psalm 8 again. Psalm 8. And in an age of humanism, I don't know of a message more needed. Greatness does not lie within man. Greatness lies with God. And our greatness, true greatness, will only be determined by how we respond to Him. Psalm 8, verse 3. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art what? Mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him. You know what the wise men understood? God cares enough about man that he is intervening in man's circumstance right now. That star signifies God's concern for mankind. They had some level of understanding. God was giving a king that he had promised to Israel. There was a divine plan for mankind being worked out and their consideration of the handiwork of God gave them enough wisdom. Their fear of God gave them the wisdom enough to say, God who created us regard has regard for us. We won't turn and read them for time's sake. Genesis 49.10 is the first prophecy concerning the scepter that would not depart from the tribe of Judah. Numbers 24 verse 17 is that next prophecy that, that actually prophesies the star being significant of the scepter that would come out of Jacob. And so then those two texts, Genesis 49.10 and 24.17 were being fulfilled in that giving of that star. And these wise men knew that God had enough regard for mankind to rule in their affairs for our benefit and blessing. And so then they recognized this uh, as they considered his works. Okay, And then thirdly, obviously, by their actions, they realized that the God who rules over us, the God who has regard for us, must be responded to appropriately. Man has a responsibility toward this God. Here's the, the, the wonder of it all. A God powerful enough to create a universe and see the end from the beginning leaves our response up to us. He could forcibly make us do what he wants. But what he does is says, I'm going to put the revelation of myself in front of you and then I'm going to hold you accountable for how you respond to it. It's up to you. You know what? Any wise parent knows at times this is what you must do with a child. You are bigger than them and could force them to do something, but you want to prove out where their heart is. So you give them an opportunity and say, 
You can do whatever you want, but my response to you will be determined by how you respond to the opportunity in front of you. You have to exercise your will, and then I will respond to your decision. God has given us knowledge, and how we respond says so very much about us. Does it not? God says, if you'll respond to me appropriately by faith, I'll pardon you, I'll receive you, and that's run all the way down through the ages since the fall of man. So these wise men understood man does have a responsibility toward God. The God who rules over us, the God who regards us, has given us responsibilities. If you were to read the rest of Psalm 8, he talks about God putting the, the things of earth under our charge. When I consider the heavens, what is man that are mindful of him? That he's made us to rule over creation. Meaning, the God who rules has given us responsibilities. God now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. That is a divinely appointed responsibility. Fools will not repent and will have to feel the consequence. Wise men know I have a responsibility. God has spoken. I either have to believe him or I have to call him a liar, but I have a responsibility. And so then, these men understood The star is in the sky. The knowledge of God is there. The understanding that he is moving on our behalf. But they did not sit in the east and wait for Jesus to come to them. They moved at the knowledge they were given. There is a tremendous mystery. And men get all hung up on it between the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. But you know what? These men exercised their will in response to the light they were given. That's what made them wise. They had enough faith in the God who was speaking to them to say, we believe you and we're going to act on what you're saying to us. You're saying the king is born, he must be worshipped. If This king must be worshipped. And so then they responded in like fashion. Psalm 111, very quickly, and we're almost done. Psalm 111, verses 1 through 4. They had recognition. They recognized God rules over men. God has regard for man. And man has a responsibility, therefore, to God. And then they also responded to God, or their conclusion was not only a recognition, but a reverence. Psalm 111, verses 1 through 4. Praise ye the Lord, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart, in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endureth Forever. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. There's a man who had considered the works of God. His ideas about God came from what he considered when he looked at what God has done. And then again, the wise men said, We have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When you consider the works of God, there's only one reasonable conclusion. You have to worship him. And I don't know what all these men knew doctrinally. I know this. When they came and saw the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible said they worshipped him. They had to have some understanding. This is God in the flesh. I don't know how much they could have articulated that, because they, but they worshipped him as God, knowing God had come. And so then the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. These men were wise enough that they got to encounter personally the Lord Jesus Christ when he was this big. And we'll get to it later. Wise men worship the Lord. They not only regard his works, they they not only have confidence in his word, they consider his works, confidence in his word, they are consecrated to his worship. 
And this is what happens. These men had a nearness to Christ that others did not. You know why? These men have a record of eternal... They did things of eternal value. They were wise enough to believe what God said to them. Wisdom is not a matter of intellect. Wisdom is a matter of... I mean, it takes knowledge. Don't misunderstand. But the knowledge comes from God. We must receive it by faith. No wiser person on earth today than someone says, I believe every word in that book. It's not... The wise men say... We're the ones who know how to critique it and say it's lost back in history somewhere. Those aren't wise. Those are fools. Wise men say God gave us his word. We believe it. 